your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone and welcome to this Thursday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Edlo underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy July. First and foremost, and for everyone that listens north of the border, a happy Canada Day. I know I have listeners up there, so I hope you all had a great Canada Day. You know, did a cookout, you know, just seeing your family and a bunch of other stuff. So, again, happy Canada Day. Um, the 4th of July is coming up in three days, now. I'll actually be in the Outer Banks for that. But um, for today's episode, we're going to go a little bit around the league. You know, we're going to talk about that Victor Arvidsson deal that sent him uh, to the Los Angeles Kings. We're going to talk about, talk about the Stanley Cup final as Tampa Bay is now up two games to none. I'm going to touch on something I saw on the Penguins subreddit um, as Rob Rossi went on 93.7 The Fan and was talking about the Penguins offseason stuff. And I'll also talk about um, some comments Ron Hextall made to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette um, this morning as you know he was talking about the defensive corps. As uh, the Post-Gazette, they've been doing like an offseason preview I think in like three or four parts going position by position today it was mainly about the defense and, and Hextel had some interesting comments about P.O. Joseph where they stand with Cody CC so I'm going to talk about that as well and we're also I think going to continue our season reviews um, my hope is to do that in this episode I think we're going to go down to the bottom six as we basically finished our top six reviews for all the Penguins players but let's start out with the thing I saw on the Penguins subreddit so someone posted on the Pittsburgh Penguins subreddit and for anyone that is not using Reddit, I encourage you all to use it. I people have like dumped on Reddit for some reason. I actually find it to be very informative. You know, now TikTok, that's a different story. I have sworn to myself never to download it. My girlfriend's obsessed with it. She always sends me those garbage videos on TikTok. It is just a whole lot of cringe. I will never download that. But Reddit, I will say there's a lot of good information on there. So, and that includes this. Person says he was listening to the radio now. Rossi was saying that Hextall wants to bring in his own goalie and that Jari is Jim Rutherford's goalie. And he also specifically mentioned, excuse me, that they want a veteran goalie and that doesn't technically mean that Flurry, although he is an option. So, it, well, to start off with, that is good news that Hextall does want to bring in his own goalie. Because again, everyone, he has no loyalty to these players. I know I sound like a broken record. I basically say that every episode of this podcast going back to when Hextall got hired with the GM and, you know, Brian Burke as president of hockey operations. But it is true. He has no loyalty to almost any of these players, you know, maybe except the core because to trade any of the core pieces or get rid of those, you know, you got to go through ownership and Mario and Ron Burkle. But it is good news that he wants to bring in another goalie. And also, if you scroll down in the comments here, um, the person who posted it, you know, Rossi also said that he doesn't see Flurry being moved and that it's more likely that Robin Lehner is moved over Marc-Andre Flurry. And that does make sense. Even though Lehner is signed for four more years, Marc-Andre Flurry is Bill Foley's person. I, I keep seeing, you know, shock jocks like Andrew Filipponi and other guys at the fan, you know, Mark Madden and all these people say, well, you know, it's time to trade back for Flurry. He's he's the guy that's going to help get the Penguins that fourth Stanley Cup. And, you know, sure, he would be an upgrade, but you know, Adam Gretz also said it best on Twitter yesterday, and I agree with him. Marc-Andre Fleury is not going back to Pittsburgh. Stop it. Bill Foley loves him. I know he only has one year left on his contract. They're going to extend him. He is going to retire as a Vegas Golden Knight. 
that's that. I mean, there, there really is not much more I can say about the Flurry situation. He is not coming back. If they somehow do make it work, very unlikely. I'd probably give it a 5% chance. I'll eat crow. You know, I hate crow on Cody CC. I'm prepared to eat crow on this as well, but I'm 95% sure that this is not going to happen. The only reason why it came close to happening last season was because Rutherford was trying to go through LA or Anaheim, according to Elliot Friedman, to make it work in a three-way deal. Ron Hexall is not going to go through all these loops and bounds in a three-way trade to go get back Marc-Andre Fleury, who he has no loyalty to as a general manager. It's just not going to happen. He wants to bring in his own goalie. And again, lucky for him, I've talked about this on the podcast a lot, there's a lot of really good veteran goalie options out there. I also wrote about this today for Last Word on Hockey. My personal favorite is Linus Allmark. I don't know if I've said that on the podcast before, but if I had to pick a goalie from the crop of reagents right now, Linus Olmark is my number one choice. I'm not sure if he is going to go back to Buffalo, but he was, what, 9-15 this year with the Sabres? I know he only played in 20 games, and that's maybe a small sample size, but to go 9-15 in 20 games with one of the worst teams we've seen in the salary cap era... I mean, that's pretty impressive. Even the last season, I think he was 34 games with the Sabres, battled some injuries, was 9-17. I mean, he was a career 9-16 goalie with the Buffalo Sabres these last couple years. One of the worst teams in the NHL. Definitely the worst team this past year, then arguably the worst team last year as well. So contract-wise, I would probably give him a a two-year deal, maybe... um, a few million per year. I think the highest I would go for him is three million per. I'm just never a believer in paying your goalie way too much money. I have said this on the podcast before as well. I'll repeat it again. Um, the goaltending position is like the running back position of of football. You know, sure, there's a lot of there's a few elite backs in football, and you want to pay them and keep them, but. Most of the other backs are just average to a bit above average. Once their contracts are up, you don't want to be the team that pays them because you can just replace their value within the draft or some other cheap option that teams are going to let go. You know, And that's exactly what the Penguins can do here with upgrading on Tristan Jari, even though I think Jari is going to be on the team next year. They can bring in someone who had better stats than Jari did this past year, especially on a worse team. I mean, like, imagine seeing Allmark in front of this defensive corps. I mean, it's going to be night and day, I think, if he does come here with all the talent that's in front of him. And again, you can sign him for not that expensive of a contract. You don't need to give a goalie eight years, 80 million, <coughs> cough Sergei Bobrovsky, <coughs> Dale Town in Florida, or, you know, carry Price up in Montreal. But again, you know, Price is one of the best goalies um, of this generation. He's, well, I, I wouldn't say he's one of the best goalies in the league right now. He's also, he's just really having a good playoff run, but okay, you know what? I kind of should go back on that. I think Price has shown these last couple of years in the playoffs that he is still one of the better goalies in the league, but he's not, I don't think, top three, top five at this moment. I'll say that about Carey Price, but again, you know, he's one of those goalies that it's okay to pay a lot of money because you know how good he is. The same was, it was the same with Henrik Lundqvist. He, I, he in my opinion, is the best goalie of the generation. You have to pay a premium to keep that goalie. All these other ones you know, you can get league average goaltending for a million per year, two million per year. Again, you know, with Allmark, I'd give him like a two-year, six million dollar deal. I would not mind that at all. You can pair him up with Tristan Jari, and then what? Your goalies are making close to seven million against the cap. I mean, I think it would be a little below seven, and I don't even think that's that bad. They're both goalies are making around. Well, one would be making three, the other one would be making, I think, three and a half, a little over three and a half, I think, was that contract. So 
that's nothing overly terrible. I mean, in Montreal, you know, Carey Price makes a lot of money. Then Jake Allen, I think, is making uh, over $4 million per. I think their combined contracts are over $14 million per. I mean, that's you can't have goaltending contracts take up that much of your salary cap space. So a cheap option like Linus Allmark would make a lot of sense. Another option that I really do like that I don't think I've talked about on the podcast yet um, is Antti Ranta. I'm just loading up his stats here, actually. As I recorded this, you know, he was very banged up this year, only 5-5-2 five and five and in 12 games played, 9.05 same percentage. But the year before that, he was 9-21 with Arizona in 33 games played. Um, the season before that, again, was banged up. It was 9.06, but then in 2018 with them, 47 games uh, he was 9.30. He's a career 9.19 goalie. This is another goaltender that I would take a pretty good chance on. And again, I would probably sign him to a two to three year deal, few million per season, pair him up with Tristan Jari. If Jari falters, you can just put Ronta in there and let him ride until he starts playing bad. I mean, I think it's a win-win situation in my book. So in order, those are probably my top two uh, goalies that I would want this offseason if I were Ron Hextall or Mark at the top. I think maybe a one be Antti Ranta, then probably Peter Morozik. Frederick Anderson, maybe a bit after that. James Reimer, I think, is also UFA. He'd probably be after that as well. But, you know, I'd be cool with those top two. And then if, if it comes to it, Peter Morozik, I think, as well. So those are my thoughts on what goalies or what my top two goalies would be to target this offseason. We still have more to get to when it comes to uh, potentially some uh, moves this offseason with Ron Hextall commenting on the defensive scores coming up in the next segment. But before we do get to that, it's time to talk about Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. It's actually crazy. I've been watching a lot of baseball recently, and my Washington Nationals, um, two games above 500. I think Mets fans are definitely a bit trembling right now. They are only two games back in them. The Nats have won 14 of their last 17 games. I'm getting a lot of 2019 vibes right now. But again, it's the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. You can head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code Locked On. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at LO underscore Penguins. So, uh, Ron Hexall did have a couple interesting comments when it came um, to Mike DeFabo when he was talking about the offseason preview, um, because, you know, obviously there are changes coming on defense. Um, they're not, they're not going to have the same defensive corps next season. I touched about this on my article today on Last War on Hockey. Um, it is very unlikely that Cody Cece is going to come back, and Hextall even said as much. He says, we do have interest in him coming back next season. In terms of the cap, that's another question. Right now, we don't have the space, so in order to keep him, we would have to create the space. So that's the big kicker here. Do they want to create cap space to sign Cody Cece back and hope that he can reclamate what he did this past season for the next two to three years or however many years he wants. I would only really give him a two to three year deal if it came to me. Um, four to five years for Cody CC is just way too much, especially, you know, for he's a bottom pairing defender. I mean, we all saw what happened with Jim Rutherford with signing Jack Johnson. And also, happy three-year anniversary, everyone. Today is the day, July 1, that Jim Rutherford signed Jack Johnson to that five-year term. And as Danny from the Pens blog said on Twitter this morning, it would be flat-out scary if he was still on the team right now because there would still be two more 
freaking years of Johnson on this team um, if he had not been bought out. So um, just wanted to let you know about that. You know, sleep with one eye open tonight, as the saying goes in the song, Enter the Sandman by Metallica. And yes, I also did have to throw that in there as well. But getting back to what I was talking about. So yeah, it's this was always going to be the likely outcome and that CC is not going to come back. He has more than earned himself this payday, especially with the numbers that he put up this season. I think I talked, I touched on it on my article. If I can go um, find the stat here, um, if I can just do this real quickly. Um, so when he was on the ice at five and five, here's the stat: Penguins had over 59% of the actual goals. I think the expected goals were below 50%, but. Um, it, the, it, the actual goals did not line up with the expected. And then to make matters even better, CC was also on the ice for 64.2% of the high danger goals at 5v5. I believe that was a career best for him, if I'm not mistaken. Again, he has more than earned himself a chance to go out in the open market and cash out because this is honestly his last big chance that he's going to get to cash out on the open market. I think he's probably going to get a three-year deal, two and a half to three million per. I, I could totally see that. But again, the Penguins just don't have the cap space to pay him because I mean they have two big RFA situations this offseason if um, both of those players are not picked by Seattle and that is Zach Aston Reese and Teddy Bluger. I mean Teddy Bluger in my opinion probably going to get around a three-year deal maybe three million per. I think if Aston Reese is still here after expansion as well um, you're probably looking at maybe some sort of a bridge deal. Again, two and a half to three million per. I don't think it's going to be more than that. I mean, they're both bottom six players, but that still takes up potentially five to six million in cap space, and the Penguins only have three million in cap space right now. Um, you know, but you know, this is par for the course for Pittsburgh. This team never has a lot of cap space. That's the price you pay when you have a lot of your cap locked up into your elite town. And again, that's the way I would like to build a team. You know, the, the, the general managers that have these jobs, you know, constructing a roster like the Penguins, you know, it's probably one of the easier jobs in the league. You just can't screw up surrounding the core with bad pieces. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay. I mean, they have Anthony Sorelli down there, Ross Colton, Barkley Goudreau, Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord surrounding Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, Steven Stamkos. Alex Kalord, Andre Palat, etc., etc., Mikhail Sergachev surrounding Hedman, and then you have a, a god in net. That is how you build a team. That is what the Penguins did in 2016 and 2017 to surround their elite talent. You have to put the depth around them that can chip in when your stars are not, you know, putting up stats on a nightly basis because, let's face it, they are going to go cold for a bit and you need those depth players to step up and that's exactly what has happened with Tampa Bay in this run again as their depth has just been surreal but yeah I mean this is just par for the course for Pittsburgh they don't ever have a lot of cap space due to their salary cap situation with you know a lot of their money tied up to their core pieces but also I think the big thing going into this offseason is there's not a lot of bad deals on this team right now I mean sure you know you probably want to get rid of Mike Matheson's contract we'll see if Ron Hextall wants to do that same can be said with Marcus Pedersen I think he's probably the more bigger prime candidate to be traded because Matheson's contract might be unmovable with five more years left at 4.8 million per or whatever the hell it is. And then Pedersen, I think, has... Um, I'm trying to think how much his contract is. I have to go back to Cap Friendly, but I think it's four more years at 4 million per or something like that. 
Actually, let me just check here real quick. I'm going to go to Cap Friendly here. Uh, Pedersen still has, yeah, he still has four more years left at around $4 million per. And Mike Matheson, yeah, he's at 4.8 for the next five years. So you're probably better off dealing Pedersen because his contract is probably more movable. He's 25 years old. I think a team would take a chance on that. Sure, you might have to maybe retain some salary. But outside of that, I mean, there's not a lot of bad contracts on this team. I mean, sure, you know, Jason Zucker might be making a little bit too much money, but I mean, if he starts producing the way uh, he was the season before that uh, with Pittsburgh next season, if he's still on the team, um, that contract does look a lot better. But anyways, you know, getting back to what I was saying, um, to sum up this large blurb of that I've just been talking about for the last five minutes, it was always going to be hard to retain CC. I'm, I'm more than comfortable promoting Chad Ruedel to a full-time basis. He has shown enough throughout his initial career, you know, with his Corsi, with being on the ice for more shot attempts or, you know, with scoring chances that he can come in and play really well in a full-time role. He has more than earned it. I'm really excited to see if he could potentially be on the team full-time next season, actually be playing full-time next season as well. But outside of the CC stuff, um, you know, as Mike DeFabo says, the biggest X factor is Pierre-Olivier Joseph, you know, who played in 16 NHL games. I understand that he didn't play as well after being elevated to the top pairing, but again, I mean, this was his first time being in the NHL. They were so banged up with Brian Dumoulin being out, um, but Hextel kind of pumped the brakes on P.O. Joseph coming up to the team full-time. He said, based on this year, I'd say there's still some development that needs to happen with him. Sometimes in the summer, kids come a long way with their strength. That's P.O.'s biggest thing. He needs to work on his strength. If he has a great summer, never say never. But based on this year with his play, I'd say he might need a little more time. So that is definitely a bit interesting to me. I did not think that would be the stance that Ron Hextall would have when it comes to P.O. Joseph. Now my biggest thing is, if P.O. Joseph is not ready to play... Are they not going to trade one of Pedersen or Matheson? Is the defense going to be next season? Dumoulin, Latang, Pedersen, Marino, and then Matheson, Ruido, or Matheson, Marino? Well, I don't, the Matheson, Marino pairing never really worked to begin with. I mean, those underlying numbers. I think their core C4 was like well below 50%. Scoring chance four, they were getting caved in. And I think the same with, it was with high danger as well. The Pedersen, Marino pairing is. So much better. I think Matheson Ruedel could work because Ruedel is much better defensively than Matheson. And then the Penguins can let Matheson just roam free with being in the offensive zone and giving him some easy competition as he was doing uh, really well down the stretch while playing with CC. So I think that would be the defense next season if they don't have P.O. Joseph being elevated into the lineup full time. Unless they go out and either trade one of Matheson or Pedersen then go out and sign a defenseman in free HC or trade for one. I could see Pittsburgh potentially upgrading the defense by getting rid of Patterson or Madison and not upgrading P.O. Joseph to a full-time status. But I still think the best course for action is elevating P.O. Joseph and starting him off with second or third pair minutes because before he was elevated to the top role, he was looking really good playing those shelter minutes, I thought, with Pittsburgh. I thought he looked like he was ready for a full-time role with them. I, obviously, you know, their, their defense was a lot deeper this past year, so it probably was not going to happen with him with being on the team every game and playing every game. But I think this year there's as good of a chance as ever for him to get into the lineup and show that he is ready to play on a nightly basis for this team. He is still the main piece that they got in the Fel Kessel trade. And I think it's time to see what this kid is made of by throwing him to the Wolves and putting him on the second or third pairing and just seeing what he can do. I, I mean, that's my stance at this point. I think he deserves to make the team and if they can move out one of Pedersen or Matheson to do it, I think that makes a lot of sense. 
Preferably, I would like Mike Matheson to go over Pedersen because I like Pedersen's defensive play down the stretch. I understand that people weren't that high on Marcus just because of, you know, not his offense not being there. But, you know, his pairing with Marino is one of the best shutdown pairings in the league. And whenever um, a player would come into the Penguin zone, it would basically be one and done. If you look at their heat maps together, Pedersen, Marino, that is, there's a whole lot of a blue blob right in the prime scoring areas. And that's exactly what you want to see in a shutdown pairing where you can throw them out like, what, 12, 14, 15 minutes a game. So we'll have to see what they do with the defense going into next season. I still, in my opinion, I still think it's unlikely they go out and get someone from another team, whether it's a trade or a signing. I guess it wouldn't surprise me in a way, but I still would think it's unlikely with how deep they are at this position, even with... Um, Cody CC leaving. Those are just my thoughts on that. But great article from DeFabo. Um, I disagreed with one of his articles yesterday while talking about Brandon Tanev um, and Kapanen and how Kapanen and, Ru- and Brian Rust, excuse me, not Jed McCann, um, are, would be a bit expendable because T- Tanev can elevate into a top six role. Don't get me wrong. I love Brandon Tanev, but you know, as Jason says in his tweet, he's pushing 30. He's never been that offensive force that Rust and Kapanen are. Um, Again, I I talked about this earlier in the week. I'll I'll never understand a lot of people in the fan base that would protect Brandon Tanev over, you know, one of um, Brian, not not Brian Rust, excuse me, um, Kisberry Kapanen or Teddy Bluger or Jared McCann. I just, I'll never really understand it. I think all three of those players are better offensive players than Tanev. And again, everyone, this is not a popular take, but it's true. If Seattle would take Brandon Tanev off the Penguins' hands, it would help them um, cap-wise going into next year and even this summer and beyond that. But those are just my thoughts on that. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup Final. I think I'm going to save the next uh, season review for tomorrow's episode, Friday, that is. But before we do get to this next segment to talk about the final and the trade today, it's time to talk about rockauto.com. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why should you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? They are a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. You can go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto part needs. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And you can write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. You just visit rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore penguin. We have our last segment here. It's time to talk about the Stanley Cup final. Um, as I, well, I kind of thought this was going to happen. Tampa Bay up two games to zero on the Montreal Canadiens, though. I will say this, everyone. Montreal played their asses off last night. I mean, they, I think they outshot them 43 to 23 or some, somewhere around those last 43, 25 or something like that. Um, they show that they belong in the Stanley Cup final. They show that they can compete with Tampa Bay, but Andre Vasilevsky was just too much. Um, Carey Price, he just he he has to be near perfect in this series, or uh, Montreal has no chance. Through two games, he's allowed eight goals in those games, and he's, his save percentage is 888. I know you can't really fault him for a lot of those goals, but he still has to be better than 888. That is not going to get it done against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, maybe it gets it done against Vegas 
in a way, but honestly, you know, not really. I mean, Price was much better than that in the Vegas series, but through two games so far, this is the carry Price that we saw um, from the regular season. But though, like I said, watching Montreal last night, Nick Suzuki is going to turn into one hell of a player. I mean, I, I kind of dumped on that Pacioretty trade when that first happened a couple of years ago when I think I was a junior in college um, because it looked like Montreal didn't know what they were doing. But Suzuki has turned into one heck of a player already. He's only 21 years old. I can't wait to see what he, how he plays when he's around 23 to 24 years old. Um, Tampa Bay was able to score one nothing, and then Montreal was able to tie it on a nice uh, goal in the power play. But you know the big back back breaker, man. End of the second period, Montreal's played their tails off. Blake Coleman gets the goal, the game-winning goal to go up two to one with 0.3 seconds left in the period. After that, Montreal never really recovered. It was just a bad, I think, pitch on pinch on that second goal. It led to a two-on-one, and then Coleman was able to score. Um, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I would love if Blake Coleman was a Pittsburgh Penguin. I don't think it's going to happen, but he is the exact kind of player that this management would love to bring in, and a player that is not really available that often. I mean, he's great offensively, great defensively, and he can get in your face and be gritty and all that stuff, and he's has a lot of size, which is also something that I think the staff looks for. Um, well, the, the general managing staff looks for as well. So, but I, I think that contract's probably going to be a five times five or a five times six. I mean, Tampa Bay is not going to be able to afford him, especially with their salary cap situation. I would love if Pittsburgh could, but they would have to really create some cap space in some unique ways, I think, to bring in someone like Blake Coleman. But again, this game just goes to show you, you know, Tampa Bay can beat you in a whole different ways. They can outscore you in 5-1 in game one, but they can also beat you in the low scoring games in 2-1, even though they don't bring their A game. I mean, that was probably a C, D game from Tampa Bay and an A game from Montreal, and it didn't matter as the Habs are now down 0-2, and they now have to win at least four out of five games against the defending champions uh, to win the Stanley Cup. I, I don't foresee that happening. I think at best, it's probably 3-1 going back to Tampa Bay for Montreal. It's pretty unfortunate that the Habs are not going to have 10,000 fans at the Bell Center. Uh, the Canadian government declined their request to put up that many fans. In my opinion, I think that's just kind of silly. Um, I, I think the, the numbers up there are starting to really be a lot better. The, the, vaccination, uh, the vaccinations, I think, up in Canada, last I checked, have gone up a lot these last couple of weeks. So to not have 10,000 fans up there, um, definitely a bit disappointing, especially when, you know, for the clinching game in Montreal against Vegas, they had uh, thousands of fans outside the arena um, partying, standing next to each other. So I really don't understand the logic behind that. But, hey, I'm not in the Canadian government. I just feel that they, I just feel like Montreal and, and the city, they deserve to have as many fans as they can to support their team there as they have not hosted a Stanley Cup final game uh, since 93. As for the trade today, Victor Arvidsson goes from Nashville to the Los Angeles Kings for a second round pick in this year's draft and a third round pick in next year's draft. That is definitely a trade that caught me a bit by surprise. I know it was mentioned in Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts that Arvidsson was on the block, but I just didn't know it was going to be that quickly that he was going to get traded. As Jay Fresh says in his tweet, um, his projected wins above replacement is 79%, even strength offense is 77%. He's an 84% percentile in finishing, goals per 60, 83%. I mean, he's always been, as Jay Fresh says as well, a good second line goal scorer who he did have a pretty bad season goal scoring wise. I mean, his, um, his numbers this season were not even close to what they were on um, the previous couple of seasons. And this is a good bet to take if you are the Kings. I mean, they're going back to the regular realignment next season. And a lot of the Pacific Division um, 
is a joke. I mean, you, you look at it right now. I mean, Seattle is probably not going to be that good of a team. The Ducks are rebuilding. San Jose is not that good. I'm not really sure about Vancouver. Edmonton, we're still not sure about. Calgary may make a lot of changes. I think Vegas is definitely the front runner. But after that, I mean, a playoff spot could very well be in the reach for the Kings next season, especially if they start to make some shrewd moves like this one. I don't think a second round pick and a third round pick is a lot for Victor Robinson, especially if he gets back to the level that he displayed um, from these last couple seasons. I'm just looking up his counting stats right now um, from Hockey Reference. Um, this is a former 30 goal scorer from 2017, 61 points, 80 games, 48 points in 58 games during 2019, where he had 34 goals the season before that, 61 points in 78 games when he had 29 goals. Last year did go down a bit, but still, 28 points in 57 games. I mean, that's a half a point per game. Um, I know this year uh, it's the lowest that it has been since he came into the league, but um, I would look for that to rebound next season, and I think Rob Blake is looking for that as well. He's been a really good general manager ever since taking over for Dean Lombardi, who always made a lot of weird moves. I really like this move for Los Angeles, um, and if they continue to make moves like this, I could really see the Kings potentially contending for a playoff spot next season. I mean, the Pacific Division, like I said, is a flat-out joke. Um, but there's still probably going to be a lot of movement coming. I'm just waiting for the Penguins to do something so I can talk to you all about this on the podcast. It has been very quiet uh, with Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. But, you know, July, I don't expect it to be uh, quiet that much longer. I think in a few weeks we will have some topics to discuss when it comes to Penguins moves. Again, I appreciate every one of you listening to this podcast, and we'll have another one of these. Tomorrow we'll have a season review of one of the players and a couple other things as well. So look for that then. Hope you all have a great rest of your evening.